Stone gets the puck after the draw. Petrangelo shoots, save, and a rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson finds the puck in the slot, pots the rebound, and the Knights are back in the lead, 3-2. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Without it, oh, and a tip puck and a shot, they score! Michael Amadio, the Knights win it in overtime! 5-4 Vegas! A double overtime victory for the Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace. Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Oh boy, that was a mighty woo from Chris Chapman, and we bring in Darren Millard now. Darren is on the road with the Golden Knights in Dallas. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, We landed earlier this afternoon, and everybody's checked in and ready to go and uh, fired up for... Game three tomorrow, first time in the Stanley Cup playoffs that the Golden Knights have a 2 nothing series lead. So this is a different territory for Vegas, and they managed to scrape out uh, a couple of overtime wins. The margin for error is, is not very big, but uh, they were on the right side of uh, two quick overtime decisions. It feels funny to say that they went to overtime twice <laughs> in the sense of the total overtime played is minimal. Yes, less than three minutes spent in the extra frame for the Golden Knights, but they do uh, they do come up with two wins at home, so a 2 nothing series lead now in the Western Conference Final. Games three tomorrow, game four will go on Thursday, and it's now time to open up the phone lines for all of you. 702-876-1340, that's the number. What did you like most about the the weekend for the Golden Knights? And I mean, obviously, a two nothing series lead is pretty fantastic. But what about the way that the Golden Knights were able to play in games one and two? Obviously, you look at game one. I think that that was probably the better overall game from the Vegas Golden Knights. But Darren, I'm encouraged by the fact that you mentioned it already. The Golden Knights were able to kind of stick with what they needed to do in game number two, and they found a way to win. It was impressive in the fact that it was two different ways you allow a late goal to go to overtime so your tail might be between your legs a little bit going into the first overtime in the series opener and then it's the exact opposite uh, in in game number two in which you find a way to finally break through and get a bit of poor check going and get an opportunity and you capitalize on it so uh fitting that uh, that they do it in a in a depth approach uh, but uh, they, they just find ways to win. And I've said it before, you watch this team periodically from afar and you wonder how they do it. You watch this team every night okay, hold and you wonder how they do it. Mm-hmm. it. It's that same. And it's the one area where the national audience and the local uh, viewers are, can agree on one thing. It, it's incredible how they find a way to win. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. 702-876-1340, that's the number. We want to hear from you. The Golden Knights up two games to none in the Western Conference Final. We'll get John Shannon on here in a little bit as well. Bruce Cassidy audio coming in hour number two and one-timers. 
A lot to get to over the course of the next two hours, but now we hear from you. Let's head out to the phone lines and bring in Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Ryan, thank you. Uh, the The fact that these two teams are well-matched, they seem to be almost identically matched in so many ways. And I've seen hundreds of series in my life that go that are seven-game series projected. When a team goes up two to nothing, how do you match the intensity level against a team that's almost as good as you? Well, I, I think there's a number of different ways that you can do it. And, and to me, it was pretty much what Jonathan Marcheseau said last night after the game, and that there's just so much more work still left to do. Just because you've won two games here in the Western Conference Final, it doesn't guarantee you anything beyond those two wins. So I, I think for the Golden Knights, it's the understanding that they're still unfinished business. It's the understanding that you're only halfway there in this series and you've got to find a way to match what the Dallas stars are going to put forth in game three on, on home ice. What say you, Darren? I'll go a step further. They're in an incredible spot, Mike. They, they are up to nothing in a closely contested series. You can't feel any better than the Vegas golden Knights do right now. They are on top of it to when it comes to the result. Now you were able to uh, rescue uh, a victory from a late tying goal in game number one, and you were able to uh, snatch a victory out of the jaws of defeat in, in game number two. The margins uh, for error aren't very big. Uh, if you were running a business on this type of margin, Mike, you'd probably throw back the keys because you wouldn't be making <laughs> enough uh, dollars in your pocket to justify all the hard work you're doing, but they've maximized uh, their opportunity. So I, I think they should feel incredible about where they are and they deserve to be where they are based on uh, the way they, they roll things through and have uh, managed to capitalize on great opportunities. But uh, it was Bruce Cassidy who stated that in the first Stanley cup playoff series, he ever coached in his Washington capitals had a two nothing series lead against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they lost the next four. He is very aware of what can happen. And Mark Stone was reminded today by a media member uh, that they were down 2 nothing a couple of years ago to the Colorado Avalanche, mm -hmm. uh, who won both games at home, and then Vegas won the next four. So there's reminders everywhere about what's at stake and what can still happen. But that shouldn't take away from you, me, the management and the players and all the fans, uh, how great of a position the team's in. They are in a wonderful spot. Much rather be here than the other way around. The, the other thing that I'll bring up, and no one will talk about it yet, and it isn't appropriate even to bring it up yet, is that Aiden Hill has had one winning season in his career up until this year. And this year he did have a very big season. Mm -hmm. Now, he's on the end of a contract, and somebody is going to sign him on a multi-year deal with lots of zeros. What do you do if you're Aiden Hill? Well, if you're Aiden Hill, Mike, and, and thanks for the call, you, you just you ride this wave and you worry about your next contract at the end of the season. And, you know, if you're ultimately able to, to win everything, then – you cash in, right? Like you strike while the iron is hot. I think for a goaltender that has has really wanted to to seize this moment, this opportunity, you 
you go out there and, and you play for everything right now in this moment. Now, whether or not uh, it, that next contract is here with this Vegas Golden Knights team or somewhere else, um, if you're talking about the player, you're, you're focused on winning right now in the postseason. You're focused on doing your best to play as long as you can in this moment. And then beyond that, that's what you that's what you get to kind of cash in on if you ultimately get to your your final destination. Um, that's that's how I'd look at it if I'm Aiden Hill. If I'm if you're looking at it from the Golden Knights perspective, uh, you just want to win hockey games right now. You you've got the opportunity in front of you. You win two more. You're playing for the Stanley Cup. Like that's all that that really should be going through the minds of of the Golden Knights at this point. Mike, I know I know you're still listening, and I'm going to be honest with you, buddy. I was really curious as to what was going to come out of Mike on line two today, because they're up to nothing. They're in a great situation, but Mike, you got, you got the, the cool ability to keep everybody honest. And that's what you did there uh, about the, the Aiden Hill thing. You're, you're just looking a little bit beyond the two nothing lead and you're looking at the real world right now. So here's, here's the thing with Aiden Hill. Uh, you, you mentioned his record. He's never had a winning season before. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good thing because if he had a winning record on the teams that he's played on, he would not have been available because he would have been pulling out some kind of otherworldly type goaltending because, Mike, he was on terrible hockey teams. There was no chance that he was going to have a winning record. Now, his numbers were good. Uh, his his analytics were good. And his structure was good enough that uh, that Sean Burke certainly liked him. So, uh, in a way, uh, the, the win-loss record, if you want to uh, look at it that way, is is a big reason why he was deemed uh, available by, by the San Jose Sharks. So, so, that's a positive. As far as what is going to go on down the road, there's there's two ways. Ryan looked at it from the team point of view. Uh, from from the from the Aiden Hill perspective, this is a big series. Mm-hmm. The last series was huge as well, but every win that he puts in the coffers is money in the bank. Yep. For Aiden Hill, and if you put two more wins together, it's big money. And then there's some turn that comes along with it. If he puts six more wins together and is holding a trophy at the end it's massive money mm-hmm. and really good term now massive money for you and i he's not going to get sergey Bobrovsky uh type type dollars but more money than he ever would have expected coming into this year so uh it's it's a catch-22 in a way uh what's good for aiden hill is wins what's good for the vegas golden knights is victories but at the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, if both of those things line up, he might be too much money uh, for, for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, from a salary perspective. But you're, you'd get a parade out of it, which <laughs> would be pretty cool if, if it does end up going that way. But he's, he's playing for two things right now. He's playing for the team, and he's playing big time yep. for his, his National Hockey League uh, stability. And, and a longer-term deal with uh, with some tenure on it. And that's all on the table right now for Aiden Hill. And you know what? If if it's, if it ends up well for Aiden Hill at the end of the year, it usually means, or it should mean, that it ends up well for the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's go out to line number two, bring in Michael. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Hey, guys. I hope you had a great weekend after two big wins. 
I'm feeling great about it. Sure did. So I, I have two quick questions. Um, well, they're really opinions, but um, what do you think the power play has to do to be better? And why do you think our uh, penalty kill is considered so bad when it seems like we're playing really well on it? You know I, think, I think we just let in late goals. Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I think that when you play the Edmonton Oilers in you know round number two, you have to accept that there are going to be goals that are scored on you on the on the on the penalty kill. You just have to kind of accept that. And I think for the Golden Knights on the penalty kill, recently they've been a little bit more aggressive and they've taken away kind of a lot of what the Dallas Stars are, are wanting to do, trying to do with the man advantage. And thanks for the call, Michael. Um, I think for Vegas. The penalty kill is is coming around to the point where you kind of expected it would be um, going into the playoffs. I think that they've done a really good job on the penalty kill. So I, I don't know that I would consider it bad. I'm not going to sit here and say that it is bad. It's just the fact that they allowed a lot of goals over the first couple of series, and then they started to really find their groove to me in the back half of that Edmonton Oilers series. Now, you've allowed goals. It is what it is. But I think right now the penalty kill is becoming a bit of a difference because while the Dallas Stars entered the series with a very, very good top five power play, clicking at about 30%, they only find one power play goal, and it really was a result of kind of a miscue and a misplay from the Golden Knights. So um, I don't know that the penalty kill is is so much something that we need to worry about moving forward. It has to continue to be as good as it's been over the first couple of games here against Dallas. And I'll let Darren touch on the power play. Yeah, the the power play is going to be a live with the lows and enjoy the modest highs. It's just the the way that this uh, group is situated. I, I've seen some really good signs. Uh, I've seen better entries uh, throughout this playoffs. I've seen more zone time as the playoffs have gone on. I'd like to see more execution on the power play, but there's been some some baby steps. What is the power play about, though? It's about that percentage and putting that number up. Now, there's there's one thing I will just caution people against we've heard a lot of crazy numbers in the stanley cup playoffs from from power plays and that kind of skews the vision of of expectations uh when it comes to the man advantage unit so uh, i don't think it's been awful i think there's been some really encouraging signs i think it's produced at a couple of critical moments where in the past you could say that uh, one, it wasn't getting any zone time. It was sucking some momentum out of your game. And number two, it wasn't uh, wasn't kicking in a goal uh, at, at a pivotal point. Uh, you, you've had both those plays on the right side of, of the hockey ledger. So so that's been positive. And, and on the penalty kill, uh, keep in mind, they, they got lit up in game five, but it was the power play that won them that game against the Edmonton Oilers. It, it buckled down in that five-minute major against Keegan Colasar and only allowed a one goal. And Jay Woodcroft and I dramatically disagreed on, on that outcome. He said they scored in the in one goal in that five-minute major. I I thought they, <laughs> they needed to score more, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, to capitalize on that, and, and they didn't. So uh, you could you could look at the uh, at the penalty kill not having great percentage in, in that series, but there's there's a big part of our group uh, that uh, that travels with the team and watches this team so uh, exclusively that that believes that the the penalty kill 
help them get over the hump. And uh, I've seen some some good progress. I'm I'm very comfortable with their penalty kill against the Dallas Stars power play. I agree with that 100%. 702-876-1340, that's the number. We've got a line open. Let's head to line number three. And Stephanie, hey, Stephanie, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. So I guess to just kind of follow up on that on the, a little bit on the power play, I know that this whole year the power play numbers and last year have been kind of concerning, but I'm really not worried about it because so far in the playoffs, when we've needed a big goal and we've needed the power play to come through, it's happened most of the time, right? It's not always going to happen. Like, we're not the Oilers, and even then the Oilers, it's not always going to happen, right? Like, But we've been getting the big goals on the power play when we need them. Um, so I, I can't even complain about that. I don't want to look at the whole numbers, like, because they don't they don't look great, but, like, you can go, oh, you know, one for ten, but if that one goal ends up being the one that changes the sway of a game, like, that's still good. Like, I don't even care. But um, just really good to see two kind of very different wins, right? They mm-hmm. uh, were the pretty dominant team on, uh, what day was the first game? I don't even remember. Friday? Friday. Yep, Friday. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, a, a very very strong showing from the Knights. They, you know, faced some adversity when Dallas tied it and then came right out of the game in overtime and and ended it. Um, But uh, the Sunday game yesterday was almost the opposite, right? It was a hard-fought game. And it was one that if we had lost, I would have been like, yeah, we probably deserved to lose that. But they persevered through, sorry, they persevered through Mm -hmm. the the first 50 minutes of the game, right? and, you know, Marshy, big-time Marshy, he's always going to be the one coming out there when you need him, getting those goals. And, you know, came back and did the same thing in overtime that they did on Friday. So it, it was just good to see that we're not a team that has to win a very specific way, right? It's, it's a team that's going to fight and claw to the very end to get a win, whether that means we're going to beat somebody 5-1 to one or we're going to do it 2-3 to three in overtime. Great, great stuff, Stephanie. Thanks for the call. I, I couldn't agree more in that what we learn about the Golden Knights or what we've been learning about this team throughout the, uh, the entirety of the year, really, is that they can find different ways to win. They have that range, and we saw it throughout the entirety of the year, different guys stepping up, winning in different types of situations, on the road, at home, trailing in a game. And when you look at the fact that the Golden Knights have been able to put together eight come-from-behind wins in the playoffs, it just gives you an idea of how difficult it is to put this team away and why they're in the position they are right now, up two games to none in the Western Conference Final against Dallas. Look, uh, yesterday was not a Bob Ross by any means, by no DeLorean, team, eh? If you're talking about uh, entertaining and just end-to-end rushes, that was a, a low event game. But I will say, Vegas, uh, and and I keep track of uh, little notes uh, throughout the game. Uh, Stone had a had a steal and a shot on a two-on-one eight minutes into the game. Uh, there was a great chance by Jack Eichel in the final uh, seconds of the first period. Uh, Shea Theodore had a pass to Brad ha- Brett Howden early in the second. Uh, Will Carrier had an incredible chance uh, midway through the second. Um, let's go. Uh, Carlson had a chance early in the third. Jack had a good shift uh, midway through the third. Uh, there's there was there were some good looks 
by the Vegas Golden Knights. They kind of went by the wayside and got overshadowed by the low shot total. But Vegas was in that game yesterday because they didn't give up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they only had 10 shots on goal through through two periods. But it wasn't like Dallas was mounting a three to one or three and a half to one type ratio. And and what they were giving up wasn't extraordinary. It was the typical Vegas Golden Knights uh, defense. And uh, that that got uh, just overlooked in a lot of cases from a defensive perspective. That was a really solid game for Vegas yesterday. And it bought them time to get back into it and eventually win. Yeah, you, I think you you brought up something that I'm glad you brought up because as much as the Golden Knights just had 10 shots through the first 40 minutes, it's not like the game was put out of reach by Dallas because the Dallas Stars offense all of a sudden put the Golden Knights on their heels. So I think that that is something to keep an eye on and, and really to talk about in that even though the Golden Knights didn't have their best game, they did not allow the Dallas Stars offensively to dictate how that game would end. And I think that that's an incredibly important aspect of it too. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Terry. Hey, Terry, how you doing? Gentlemen, good afternoon. Uh, I always like to start by just thanking everyone on the broadcast team. Uh, great entertainment. Uh, the games are fantastic. I enjoy your show in the afternoon, and uh, I just really appreciate it. We all should feel blessed that the Knights give us, uh, have given us six years of nothing but great entertainment. So uh, that's fantastic. Uh, my favorite thing about the playoffs is that this notion of the Knights being the deep team, that they're going to send 19 players on that ice every day that are going to play legitimate minutes. They're all going to contribute. I, I never have the feeling, no matter what line or which players are out there, that anything bad's going to happen. I, I feel like there's a lot of trust uh, among that team, and we saw two teams totally flame out. Colorado, it was either McKinnon or Rantanen or nothing in their series, uh, just not near enough depth. And the Oilers series was... I mean, that was McDavid or Dreisaitl or really nothing. Like, I, I just felt like they got zero from the bottom ten players on that team. And the coach felt like he had to shorten the bench, and that just made it worse. If if that series was still going on, the Knights would just be winning those games still because the minutes were just adding up on two or four players while the Knights played everybody. So I just feel like that's been fantastic, and I hope everybody can, can see and appreciate that because there's a lot of hockey towns with – just a few good players on a team, and I'm sure when certain players get on the ice, everyone just dreads dreads it and thinks the worst is coming. I never feel like that in a Knights game, and that, that goes way back to year one, to like the meat grinder line and other people that have played along the way. Just just, just last year with the, uh, the injuries where the Knights played in eight or ten or nine short a bunch of times, mm-hmm. the only time we haven't seen that. So, uh, uh, and just the last thing, uh, everybody's mentioned it, but you just got to be so happy for a guy like Aiden Hill who worked hard, did all the right things. The guy's playing fantastic. And really that's been the story of everyone that's been in that crease this year. So, I, you know, the start of the year you'd say, could you do this with five netminders? And almost every hockey uh, analyst would say no. Mm-hmm. And yet here the Knights are, uh, 13 playoff games, 10 wins. So uh, I'll drop. But uh, the only thing that would have made the, the game better for me would have been uh, – Hearing Dave call the pass from Michael to Marcheseau in the slot, I think that would have been fantastic. I do miss the TV coverage, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, come on. I, what does Dave do with himself during the games? Does he, 
can he contain himself, or does he just yell out a call just to the people around him? I, I, I hops, bug him. He hops from sweet to sweet. He, yeah. He's a big deal. He, he, he's <laughs> down there on the 200 level. Yeah, Dave. Dave usually, uh, as as Darren says, hops from sweet to sweet. Unless I I kind of coax him into coming on the pregame show, which he was able to do on Sunday, and it led to a Golden Knights win. Thanks for the call, Terry. Great stuff um, from you. I, I couldn't really agree more with what you said. Uh, this has been a team that that's incredibly deep. But you also, in order for that depth to pay off, you need your best players to be your best players. And you know, when the Golden Knights needed a play yesterday, Jack Eichel, Ivan Barbashev, John of the Marshes, so just fantastic work to get that game into overtime. And and then again, another player, one of your all star this year, Chandler Stevenson, chips in and and finds that redemption after taking a couple of um, undisciplined penalties earlier on in the game. Let's head back out to the phone lines. Bring in Mary. Hey, Mary, how you doing? No, Mary. Okay, we will move along to Rob. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Hey, guys. You know, as deep as we are, let's be honest, like you said, top guy's been tough. I mean, Riley Smith, Wah, and Carrier offensively haven't given us much. And if they could just pick it up a little bit on offense, we'd really be dominant. I, I think after playing Edmonton, let's face it, Dallas looks slow. I mean, and if they look slow to us fans, they, they look slow to Aiden Hill especially and, and the defense. They just look slow. And the confidence that we have, I, I think after getting past Edmonton, because let's face it, that was a big task. This team is like, listen, I'm not saying they feel like, you know, we got this, but every game they go into, and even yesterday when they didn't have their A game, I think they had like this game. They never looked out of it, and they just needed a little oomph. And when Marshall Slow scored that goal, you could see it just took everything out of Dallas, and we just carried it right into the overtime. And I just think this team is rolling. And no matter, you know, we get past Dallas if we play either Carolina or Florida, I, I, I think this is our year for sure. All right, great stuff, Rob. Um, again, hard to kind of disagree with what you're talking about. I, I agree in that when you look at the Golden Knights, especially in the game yesterday, you're down just one, right? Like, if that was a different type of lead, if Dallas had a two-goal lead, three-goal lead, maybe it feels a little bit different, maybe a little bit more insurmountable. But I, I just I think that the way the Golden Knights are playing right now, um, their ability to find different ways to score, it, it, it felt like they you just get that one and all of a sudden the floodgates opened up and the golden Knights did a really good job to me of like harnessing that moment, riding that wave and coming into overtime with, with an agenda to try to, to end this one as quickly as possible. Now they did need absolutely needed a brilliant save from Aiden Hill on Wyatt Johnston and they got it. And then the golden Knights were able to settle in and end it within 72 seconds. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Rick. Hey Rick, how you doing? How you doing, gentlemen? Uh, happy Hockey Monday for sure. And I just want to say, uh, I'm looking looking at the Knights and the way this team is formed and everything. There's always a game you're going to look back on if they do happen to go and win anything. There's always a time you're going to say, "Man, they they could have lost that, or they could have done this." Teams pull out that end up going places, and this team has a a lot of heart up and down their line. They have a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of grit, and I think you mix that with Cassidy's defensive-minded coach, and I agree with the other caller. I really think it's not that it's going to be easy, but I think you know it, it's going to be their year because there's no Ovechkin over there on the other side this year. 
You know, that's a really interesting point that you bring up there, Rick, and thank you for the call. I, I do look at it as the path is there right now for the Golden Knights, but you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. Now, each individual player, I think, is looking at this as a great opportunity. We talked about seizing the moment before this series started. It's a great start to the series, and for the Golden Knights now, it's it's just a matter of continuing to find ways to win hockey games and going on the road and looking for a split. Now, you you, pro- you want to win both of them, but you're looking for the split in Dallas, and that puts a lot of pressure on the Dallas Stars the rest of this series. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, how you doing? Hi, guys. I'm good. How are y'all doing? Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, of course, obviously, 2-0 uh, going into Dallas. Um, huge, huge momentum. Um, I'm, I'm still in my DeLorean. I'm still going back <laughs> to the future. I'm going to the Wild West, and we're going to take over the town. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. We have all the momentum, and, you know, this whole series has just been kind of giving me season one vibes mm-hmm. where it's, you know, yeah, the big players are stepping up, but everyone is contributing. Um, you're getting offensive uh, moments from the defense and you're getting defense, big defensive moments from the offense. And I think that's something that's kind of overlooked in um, other teams or with other series. They don't talk about that as much. So I, I love and appreciate that from us. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, Stephanie. And, and again, thank you for the call. I, I think for the golden Knights, like the play you got from Jack Eichel to Jonathan Marcheseau is something that, you know, the last couple of times the Golden Knights were in this spot, when things shut down offensively, you weren't able to find those plays. And now through two games, the Golden Knights have been able to get those plays, make those plays, create them out of nothing. And that, to me, is the difference between this team right now and maybe the past iterations trying to get beyond this round in the playoffs. One more call. we got time for one more call. Let's bring in Frank. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Hey, guys. Um, I usually have a lot to say, um, but uh, I don't have too much time. I just wanted to just say that, uh, boy, uh, it it looks like these guys are having fun mm. like they haven't had in such a long time. And with that momentum going into the next few games, it's going to be difficult. That other caller said, it looks like uh, we're on our way. You know, um, every team knows that if you're down two games, you got to win that third game. It's very hard to win the fourth straight game. But just to see these guys having fun right now, and um, it's just amazing just to, to, to keep watching and, and see where this takes us. And I just want to give one prop out, uh, actually to the whole team, but one guy that's standing out for me is Nicholas Haig. Mm. That guy is just punching, kicking, scratching, scoring. I mean, everything he's got to do. So uh, if we're looking for MVP for, for a defense, I love, uh, I love Nicholas Haig. And thanks, guys. And go Knights, go. Awesome stuff, Frank. Thank you for that call. Always appreciate getting your guys' thoughts, your your opinions on this Golden Knights team that right now is up two games to none on the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Final. We'll take a break. We'll come back with John Shannon next on the VGK Insider Show. Hello, Canada and hockey fans in the United States and Newfoundland. He used to have the most important job in Canada. Now he's willing to give us a few minutes. It's time to chat with John Shannon. 
He's with us two times a week during the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, ahead of his uh, regular appearance. So we bring in John Shannon to start the week. He's working around the games, which uh, interfere with the VGK Insider Show this week with games three and four scheduled for Tuesday and Thursday. So nice to chat with John a little bit earlier than uh, normal. How are you, Mr. Shannon? I'm doing great. And they let, they let you out in Nevada? <laughs> they, 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 they did. I had to uh, smuggle my way. Now, now, to get on the plane, you need your license. You need ID. And I forgot I left my license at home. I thought I was going to be in big trouble, but I had an ID card, one of those goofy ID cards that just happened to work. And I just, like, you joke about letting me out of Nevada. I was just able to make things functional to get on the plane today. No, no. That, 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 listen, that wasn't a funky ID. That was a dollar store credit card. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not far off that. Uh, I, I will admit that. No, I, I wanna, John and I and uh, Nick Caprios were going all over the place the other night, and we'll get to what we were talking about in just a little bit. But how do you see the first two games between Vegas and Dallas from the other side of the continent? It's 2 nothing, but... Boy, has it been close, and Dallas thinks that they they deserve so much better. Not that Vegas shouldn't be enjoying exactly where they are, but it's precarious. Well, I, I think what it teaches you that is that, and it sounds like a cliche, but 60-minute games, and in fact, they're more than 60 minutes with the overtime, but you, you can't let up or relax for 30 seconds. Uh, if you do, it'll be in your net, and next thing you know, you're going to overtime. And when overtime occurs, anything can happen. It, 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 it's funny when you look at the look at the score sheet, and you look at the scores, and you say, "Oh no, I hope we're not having boring games." They are far from boring. The amount of physical play, the amount of intensity between these two teams, and it really what does what it does do, Darren. It, it speaks to that awful word of parity that we have in the National Hockey League. The teams like Dallas and Vegas, who were so close in the standings, um, uh, can, will be battling it out. And it, I mean, it, it's it's tipped its way the Golden Knights twice. Could it tip the way of the of the Stars twice for their first two home games? Yeah, it, it could. Or it can continue to tip in the way of the Golden Knights, and and we could see a sweep. We're, and it's funny, we're, not only are we seeing this type of action and this style of play uh, in, these division, in these conference series in hockey, we're seeing them in basketball, too. Yeah, you, you are multi-sport. Uh, I've, I've never doubted your ability to watch everything. Uh, we don't have time for cricket today, but, uh, but we'll get to it at some point. Uh, depth is a major compliment to Vegas. But when you compare the style against Edmonton and the run and gun in that series and then turning around and playing a much more traditional opponent and series against Dallas, the versatility, whether it's the coaching staff and the players or uh, more more the coaching staff getting the players uh, to, to play a certain way, it's been impressive. Well, I, I think that that's always been a Golden Knight strength, is that uh, even from year one, um, is the ability to play the way the opposition needs to play and win. Um, you know, they, they can morph themselves into different, different styles. And I, I think in many ways, and we've, that what it does do is it often gives you a, a, a false sense of understanding of what type of team the Golden Knights are. 
I think for a lot of us that have started watching intently in the playoffs, you realize that, holy smokes, in that Winnipeg series, they could hit, and they are faster, and that they do have a, a, a speed game. And then, in the as you talked about in the Oilers series, it was one of those things where you, you looked and said, well, how are they going to maintain and keep up with, uh, with Dreisaitl and McDavid and, and those guys? And then it was their depth that, that really made a, a huge change. And, and by the way, we're not giving Aiden Hill enough credit. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's playing at the other end. Jake Ottinger's been spectacular. But Aiden Hill has been able to make the saves, the saves that he has to make at key times, and that's been a really impressive part of the goaltending aspect for the Golden Knights, too. You know, John, when you when you look at kind of the game in game number two, and, and I know that the Dallas Stars played a, a really solid game, but kind of to your point on Aiden Hill and even more so the, the Golden Knights defense, like Vegas didn't really give Dallas much throughout that game. And the reason why you were able to get yourself into a good good spot late in the game is that it was just a one-goal deficit you had to overcome. Are, are you surprised at, at how well and how effective the Golden Knights have been able to shut down what we know can be an offense that, that can score some goals in Joe Pavelski and Rope Hintz and, and Jason Robertson? I don't think there's a better top four composite group in the National Hockey League than Petrangelo, Martinez, McNabb, and Theodore. Mm. And I, I think that so much of that speaks to the success of this hockey club. Uh, and that doesn't even include, Ryan, what I view as a, the, the intangible of a team, and that's leadership. But when you can put those four guys out as your two top pair, you, you know, it's, it's quite amazing how much, I mean, that's probably 48 to 50 minutes of ice time that you have covered in a 60-minute game. And that really does create a, a security blanket for you back there. And it gives Hill a lot of confidence that the guys in front of him are, are going to make sure that either the shot's blocked or that there's a, a, a clean line of sight to see the puck. So, so from that point, um, you know, when you do have a team as big and as fast as Dallas is, what you can, you know, comprehend how well those four defensemen have played. And that's not to, to diminish what, what White Cloud and, and the others have done. But those top four are, are, are really statement makers, not just for the Golden Knights, but for the National Hockey League. Who feels better about their game, given that they're down 2 nothing, Dallas or Carolina? Oh, I think Dallas might. Uh, now both lost in overtime, but I mean Carolina lost both at home, Darren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to lose both at home... And and I mean we what we've seen out of Florida in these playoffs is is, is phenomenal. But they're in many ways they are a little bit like the Golden Knights. They they just come at you and they don't stop and they are tenacious and they are deep uh, and they have quality goaltending. So it, it it's one of those things where I'd be more concerned if if I'm Carolina going home to going into uh, into Sunrise, Florida saying, oh, my goodness gracious, not only have we lost two games, but we lost complete control of home ice advantage. That, to me, would be a big issue. Dallas is one goal away, as Carolina is each game, but I just feel I, I feel uh, probably a little more equal in the series between Dallas and Vegas than I do between Carolina and Florida. 
I, I think that point about losing those games at home is is certainly where where I kind of lean to because for the Dallas Stars, at least you have the idea that you're going home. You you should be able to, in your mind, right the ship. But one one aspect, and we've talked about him pretty much every time we've had you on, John. It, it's Jack Eichel, and for a Golden Knights team that has been to now their fourth Final Four appearance in the National Hockey League in six seasons, the last couple of times they they've needed. Some some guys to make plays, and it hasn't happened. And you saw Jack Eichel make the play that the Golden Knights desperately needed in Game 2 to, to get that one to overtime. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this this has to be one of those moments where you look at that trade that, that Kelly McCrimmon made for Jack Eichel, and this is one of those payoff moments for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know being able to force Ryan Suter to make that mistake uh, and then being in the right place at the right time to absolutely with that beautiful blind pass to, to March or so, that's what superstars are supposed to do, Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's, you, you can't measure it every game. But, and this, is, this actually relates a little bit to what we've talked about with Carolina, too. Carolina gets down, and who's the superstar that's going to carry them on their back? Right now there isn't anybody. You know, Tara Vinan's back. You know, he's not a superstar, but he, he's a goal scorer. He's just back from injury. And the guys that they have lost, uh, Sveshnikov and Pacioretty, they were supposed to be the snipers. They were supposed to be the, those superstars that were going to drag them through. Eichel and Stone are those two guys for this hockey club. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, what I, I think the most appealing thing about the Eichel story is if you remember back to game one of the Winnipeg series, it was, well, doesn't Jack Eichel know these are the Stanley Cup playoffs? Does it, doesn't he understand that this is not, you know, game 54 in the middle of February? And I, I, think, I, I think he's, as a quick learner, I think he got that, and he got that quickly. And by the time game two came, he was a difference maker. And he's been a difference maker ever since. You know, between, you know, the direct comparisons to Connor McDavid in the Edmonton series, there is some irony that... Uh, this year that Eichel in his first playoffs got farther than McDavid did in his playoffs this year, and now we're seeing a little bit more in the two games against the Dallas Stars. We're a little tighter on time than I wanted to be for this, but uh, I want your opinion on who's at fault, uh, how big the mess is in Toronto with the parting of the ways where it didn't look like it was going to happen, and yeah. in the end, the manager is out, fired by the president of uh, the hockey operations in Brendan Shanahan. Well, I, I don't want to press the panic button like a lot of people have here. I, I don't think it's as bad as it looks. Um, you know, this is still an organization that makes so much money that it's silly. Uh, this is still an organization that has, you know, talented players under contract. Uh, this is what I would uh, describe as a as, as a corporate um, adjustment. They will find a general manager, a competent general manager, to do the job, uh, and it, they have to do it in short order. When you consider free agency and the draft is coming, you know, within the next six weeks. So f- from that perspective, it's difficult for fans here to understand the stability they've had for the last six or seven years has disappeared. Uh, but they'll find somebody that will, you know, carry the, the 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 blue and white disease a little farther along than most people normally do, because that's what we call it here when you cheer for the Leafs too much. It's blue and white disease. <laughs> uh, and and but I, I I'm not as panicked as the rest of the world is. After all, Kyle Dubas, you know, only won one playoff series as a manager, and that was this year. 
Um, and, you know, the, from an organizational perspective, they have to keep pushing in the right direction. I, I look at what Vegas does on a regular basis, pu- pushing in the right direction, making changes constantly in order to be better, and that's something the Maple Leafs have to be aware of rather than trying to stick to the same old routine every year and maybe getting to the second round. Hey, why doesn't Brendan Shanahan become the general manager? That's too much work for Brendan. Okay. I, I, just, I just don't, I don't see that in his DNA. Brendan yeah. is uh, Brendan manages the board. Brendan is the face of the franchise when they need a face of the franchise, as they did on Friday. But he doesn't want to work eighteen hours a day. I mean that that's 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 something. I mean, look, I, I look at guys like Kelly who are lifers, um, and it, it's it's all consuming. And that that was one of the downsides for Kyle Dubas here. It, it became so consuming he took it home with him. And I think that became a real issue for his family. So from that perspective, I don't think that Brendan Shanahan wants to, quite frankly, work that hard. I should be a president, Ben. What? <laughs> Actually, you know what? You'd be, be- you'd be better as a king. You'd be better. Forget about this president stuff. You, King Darren, because kings, kings work less than presidents uh, and, 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 and have a lot more power. Already a king in his own mind. Well, well, he's not even a king in his own house. Are you kidding me? <laughs> On so many levels, you're right. On so many levels. Uh, well, that wasn't. Uh, that was very practical compared to the conversation you and I and Nick Kiprios and John, uh, Doug McLean had the other night. Even though Doug wasn't really part of it because he was in Portugal. But you said we were shorter time, and I have to keep the Coles notes version. Yeah. Good, good, good point. Uh, thanks for being uh, right on it because you're a producer. You know exactly what goes into this. Uh, enjoy. Game three tonight and game three between Vegas and Dallas tomorrow. Can you, we'll talk can to you, you actually time. imagine the first four games of both conference finals? They've all gone to overtime. It's quite something, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think you should have to play five minutes of overtime for it to actually qualify as extra time. No, no way. No way. I like the minute 45s. Those are good. Yeah. <laughs> quick. <laughs> nice exactly. and quick. Hey, by the way. Uh, even though I, he's probably listening in his hotel room online. Hello, George. <laughs> he's in Dallas. He, he's a couple of floors above me right now. <laughs> Thanks, oh, John. Oh, I, th- I thought he might have just crept down to the room and listened in. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Thanks, pal. There's John Shannon with us. Uh, the book is called Evolve or Die. Uh, pick it up uh, because if you love him on our show, we know you do because we talked to so many people uh, that uh, really appreciate John Chum coming on the VGK Insider Show. Read his book, Evolve or Die, the story of his life in hockey, television, broadcasting, and also being an announcer. Uh, We'll be back to set up hour number two of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Bruce Cassidy coming up in just a little bit uh, before the team took off for Dallas. He will talk about this 2-0 series advantage for the Vegas Golden Knights. All coming up in hour number two, and we'll update you on the early goings of game three between Carolina and Florida with the Panthers back home trying to take a stranglehold on the Eastern Conference Final. But uh, we have a couple of tickets to give away to BattleBots Destructathon coming up on June 3rd. Mm -hmm. Yes, 702-876-1340 is the number. We'll take caller number seven. You will get to see BattleBots 
Destructathon, pair of tickets, June 3rd. Awesome stuff. Robots destroying one another. It's fantastic. Yeah, killer robots going at it. Uh, I, I, I can't get enough of it. I watch it all the time, and it's really cool. Go to BattleBots.com slash tickets uh, for more. My buddy Dave and I are uh, always uh, tuning in to BattleBots and all the different things. I love the, I love the fire ones that, that just yeah. go out and oh, yeah. uh, roast the competition. And I also like it when the celebrities jump in and, uh, and try and work things. Uh, we got hour number two coming up. Uh, we'll breathe some fire at you on Fox Sports Las Vegas.